You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, I'm here. Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. So remember, Tommy, the old days, the radio days? You still do radio. You're still a radio star. But remember some of those days, like on certain days, when we would start planning for next day's show and we didn't have a lot. You know, we'd be like sitting around trying to figure something out. And and those days rarely, if ever, happened during right. football season. Right. But we would sit around some days and say, well, you know what? There's always a chance that the Redskins will do something stupid <laughs> before the end of the day or before this show starts tomorrow. <laughs> and how many times did they come through? Oh, absolutely. I uh, mean, time and time again, they came through. Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, the aura of self-destruction, just when you think you've come clear of it, uh, something just drops in your lap. You, um, you should write a book. And I, I had this idea after yesterday's show, and I started reading through some of my uh, Twitter um, reaction to the show yesterday because I referred to the Reuben Foster signing as another thing you can just put in the Redskins bucket of dumb. You know, it's just they've got this bucket of just dumb that we've been just throwing things into the bucket for year after year after year. And people liked the way that I described it as the bucket of dumb. And I thought, that's that's Tommy's next book. Now, you've got a lot of books out there, all of which you can acquire or purchase for less than a dollar on Amazon.com <laughs> right now, which is pretty much true. How many, how many books have you written? 11 books. 11 books. 11 books. You've written 11 books. How many of them could I actually right now go on Amazon and purchase? Well, you couldn't. I, I wrote one Redskins book, which is like a coffee table book, and that's hard to come by. So you can't do that. And the Negro League Encyclopedia, that's like a 50 or $75 book. Other than that, you can pretty much buy the rest of them. <laughs> For how much? Well, probably a penny. <laughs> or, or 50 cents or a dollar or something There's no like that. book available for a penny. I don't know. I don't You know what? If they were $5,000, I wouldn't get a dime of it. Oh, okay? So it really doesn't matter. So I saw your column today. It was on DJ Swearinger. Well, that was my column from yesterday. I just retweeted it today. Okay, I got it. Now, right. That was my column for Wednesday's well, paper. I'll, I'll, I write Monday, Wednesday, Friday paper. Okay, so tomorrow I'll have a column, and I'm not sure what I'm going to write. You know, I might write about maybe the latest bucket of dumb uh, thing that was thrown in there. You know, it's so ridiculous. I had a conversation with someone at ESPN late yesterday, not Scott, who I was with uh, last night at the Maryland game, and I'll get to that uh, in a few minutes. Someone else who reached out to ask if I had any information on how the decision to sign Reuben Foster was reached, and I said, I don't really have any inside information on that at all. Um, but this person just said to me, you know, the league isn't very happy. And I thought about this after the show yesterday. I don't think I mentioned this on the show yesterday. But, you know, when a player is claimed off waivers, you never hear about the number of teams, specifically the other teams, who put in claims. You know, a player gets claimed off waivers. Hey, you know, Harry Papadopoulos got picked up by the uh, 49ers off waivers, you know, after the Giants cut him. You don't hear that 17 teams put in claims and which teams they were. But in this particular situation, the information that it was just the Redskins 
got out. Yes, it did. And the fact that that information got out may be an indication, Tommy, that the league wanted everyone to know, hey, we only had one team in our league of 32 teams that wanted a player that just got charged with domestic assault. Just one. It's not reflective of the reasonable majority of our clubs who did not pursue a player 72 hours after he was arrested for his second domestic assault incident in less than a year. We just want all NFL fans to know just one team did it, and we knew you'd be debating as to whether or not it was the Raiders, Browns, or Redskins. Redskins, So we just wanted you to know it was actually the Redskins. Seriously. That never. When do you ever hear about the well, number the whole, of teams that put in claims? You know, pro football talk at one point during the afternoon said it's taken a long time. When everyone knew one a team had put in a claim, but it was taking a while for it to come out. Who who claimed them? And pro football talk tweeted out, "This is kind of unusual. You, I mean, for it to take this long for that team for the information to come out that which team claimed him." So it was it was a murky process from the beginning. I just I could be wrong and there and someone may tweet this afternoon all of the examples of players being picked up off waivers with information from teams or league the league is the is the entity that has that information. It's got to go through the league where you get a list of the teams that put in a claim for said player. I just don't remember that being the norm. No. I don't. It, and I, it happens every now and then when there's a player that seems to be clearly connected with somebody, and like a team before them puts it in that you'll hear, "Oh yeah, well the Eagles or whoever did actually want them just didn't quite get to them." But that's yeah, usually the case. That, you know what? That's true. You will hear that. You know, uh, especially if if you're following a specific team in a specific market, and it's a big name player, you may hear that. Yeah, your team was one of the teams that put in. A claim, and maybe that's the team that tries to get that information out. Yeah, to defend themselves for yeah, not getting the, perhaps, that particular guy. Perhaps. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I wanted to mention before I get your thoughts on all of this, uh, and I'm sure you were, um, you've shared those thoughts. Uh, I know you were on radio yesterday. I didn't get a chance to hear you, but I was planning on trying to hear you yesterday on, on JFK in the afternoon. But something, ha- something happened. Something actually did come up. Oh, um, but okay. I, but I wanted to listen to you and Chad uh, yesterday talk about this. But, um, you know, it's something also just to remember that the team that released him, the team that's actually been with him and knows him for two years or a year and a half. Anyway, the team that running. drafted him in the first round. Yeah, the 49ers. This is hardly what you would call in recent years a banner NFL franchise. Right. You know, or a team that has so much talent that they could just get rid of a player, you know, oozing with talent and, and taking the risk. That, that was the team that cut him. And, and, you know, the Skins, somebody mentioned to me, the Skins just want to try to one-up Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you know, if if we're in this game, which I don't think they are, uh, there was, wait, wait a minute, there was something in the last year that the Redskins did something in the discussion about Kyle Shanahan, trying to one-up Kyle Shanahan. I don't um, think this would fall into that so category. Either. I don't think so either. I mean, this, this, is, this is cutting off your face despite your face. Not just your nose, right? If you're trying to get back at Kyle Shanahan, that or something like that. No, I, I think I don't think there's any conspiracy here. I think it's just sheer stupidity. All right, tell me uh, your overall thoughts on this. Well, you know, again, my my first thought, uh, and you know, I've talked about this a lot, uh, was you know, there's a scene in uh, 
in uh, The Usual Suspects where Kevin Spacey talks about Kaiser Suze. And he says about when the, the, the criminals killed Suze's, uh, you know, had Suze's family as hostage and threatened to kill them. And then Kevin Spacey says, Suze showed these Hungarians or whatever what real power was. And he killed his own family. Bruce Allen showed Brian LaFamina yesterday what real power is. <laughs> That's yes. what he did. I know. I, I, I talked about that, Tommy, that, you know, when you when the reports came out about the decision not being unanimous, I, I said yesterday on the podcast, like, you know, and I referenced you, you know, about, hey, Brian, rent, don't buy, yeah. you know, when, when in September that, you know, this guy was brought in for many reasons. One was presumably to keep the Redskins from tripping over their own, you know what? time and time again from a PR standpoint to keep those incidents to a minimum. So either they didn't share with him what they were doing or they did share with it and they ignored him because I can't imagine that he was in favor of this. Nobody with any credibility or intelligence in a marketing public relations business is going to sign off on this. Nobody. I mean, not, I mean, it's just impossible and let's let's even take it beyond that. Let's say you don't sign off on it, but it's out of your control, which this clearly was. Then the next step is, if you're the guy in charge of this, okay, if you're going to shoot yourself, let's at least have a, a, a reasonable plan to explain it. Let's come up with a strategy to present this in the best light. You didn't like the Doug Williams presser, <laughs> uh, the press statement? Uh, the Doug Williams press statement, the, the look – the cowardness of Bruce Allen and the owner, Dan Snyder, not to own this publicly, not to come out and talk. I can't think of a franchise. You know, I'm sure there are, but most good franchises on a case like this, the owner is going to speak to it. And Dan Snyder, whose wife, you know, attended a rally at FedEx Field a few years ago for, you know, against domestic violence. He's a particular coward. I mean, because this, 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 you just can't let Jay Gruden stand up there like Wimpy in, in Popeye and take all the bullets for something like this. You can't do it. So it, 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 was, it, was, it was a stupid decision followed by an, a, a clumsy presentation that only served to make them look bad. And then, and then you know, in, in the press release, Doug Williams, when they finally spelt his name right the second time, right. uh, talked about how they consulted with Alabama players and then reporters went into the locker room looking for the right. Alabama players they consulted with, and then they couldn't find any. Jonathan Allen said, no one talked to me. Ha-ha Dixon. Ha-ha uh, Clinton Dix. Clinton Dix said, no one talked to me. And, and at some point, the players, of course, look, if the, even if the, anyone did talk to the players, the last thing these guys want is their name attached to this if it goes south. They don't want to be the ones public, who publicly vouch for this guy. So the, the whole the, pro the the decision was stupid, and then the presentation was stupid. And again, it's 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 people. I heard people on on one hundred six seven the fan calling it a good business decision, business decision. It's a terrible business decision. You might think it's a good football decision, and that's that's up in the air. But it's a terrible business decision when you're trying to change the image and perception of a franchise that just a couple months ago was ground zero for the NFL's cheerleading scandal that's going on right, right now. 
and then you bring in this guy. You know, you just the whole. Remember when Scott McLuhan wasn't allowed to speak and Bruce Allen uh, referenced the grandmother who had just passed away in the funeral that he was attending out in California as if no one would Google the grandmother's name and find out when she actually passed away. And it was several months prior to that. Uh, How is it that they put out that they consulted with some of their own players, Alabama players, players that knew Reuben Foster? Did they not think people would ask, ha-ha, Clinton Dix or John Allen? This is where you call it clumsy. Um, it's, it's incompetence. It's incompetence and arrogance all tied together, which is the worst of, of combinations. And uh, this is where, you know, the, you've got to have someone in the organization at some point, an adult, that says, no, 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 we can't put this on John Allen and ha-ha, Clinton Dix and shove Doug out there. If we actually didn't consult them, we live in a town. And by the way, that town could be Paducah, Kentucky, because someone's going to ask John, John Allen what they said or what he said to the team about Reuben Foster, because the team indicated that John Allen endorsed this. Uh, it's it's really incredible to me how stupid and clumsy clumsy is a kind way to put it as far as Doug Williams getting pushed out there. Tommy, coward is the way to describe it, but Bruce Allen, there is some recognition internally that you can't stick the owner out there. Um, He's so despised. You can't put Bruce Allen out there. He's Satan right now in the eyes of of Redskins fans. The Prince prince of Darkness. And Doug Williams is the only positive connection from the front office to the fan base, and you know, it's a shame because I, I feel badly for Doug. He's got to go out there with basically a statement that someone else wrote that he's going to read. I, I didn't think he, you know, I don't think this, he didn't go out there and re- read it. They put it out it. there. They just put it out um, there. And I didn't, I personally didn't understand the mocking of that particular press statement. I'll make another uh, uh, suggestion to you too. I actually didn't think Jay Gruden was that bad. I watched Jay Gruden, and I watched that, not live. He had no answers, Kevin. Uh, but you know what? Jay, Jay's another, you know, compared to Bruce and Dan, Jay's actually, he comes off as likable. I think he came off as trying to give the best answers that he gave. He didn't give answers that pleased anybody, but he made an attempt to do it. But putting him in that position is wrong. Yes, I, I, this exactly. Is, they, I, unless he's the one who really fought for this. Here's the here's how you said they had to have a plan. The plan should have been for Bruce Allen to walk out before Jay Gruden did yesterday or the day before and say, look, our head coach isn't taking questions on this. My senior VP, Doug Williams, isn't taking any questions on this. I'm taking the I'm I'm making the statement and taking the questions on this. The buck stops with me on this move. I pushed for it for one reason and one reason only. He's talented and we're trying to win. If the charges stand, he'll never play for us. If they don't and the legal system clears him and the NFL says he's eligible, then he will. This isn't a move that means we condone domestic violence. If you feel that way, it's your right to feel that way, but I disagree. And then he could list all of the different things Tanya Snyder and the organization you know, ha- that, that they've done uh, charitable-wise uh, and otherwise uh, against domestic violence and all the, you know, the, the, um, the, different, the, the different things that the organization has done that are positive. And, and a lot of that's been led by the owner's wife. He can go through that list and then he can say, look, the PR ramifications to this were considered, but the truth is 
We know we're not the favorite of any of you out there right now. We're damned if we do, damned if we don't. People don't like us. They don't respect us. But our goal right now is to win. And to win, we need talented players. And Reuben Foster is talented. We liked him as a player and a person coming out when we met him at the scouting combine in 2017. If we misjudged on the type of person he was, then he won't play for us. But we'll let the legal system and our league review lead the way on this, and we will respond accordingly. Questions? That's how it should have been handled. How's that? Well, listen, Kevin. Go ahead. Pick pick that apart. I'm sure you will. There's no – I mean, there's no good – once you've made this decision – there's no real good way to handle it, but there's better ways to handle Was it. Was that a better way than what they did? Absolutely. Here's the thing: Bruce Allen would rather stick needles in his eyes than say you don't like us. I mean, this is the guy who before the before the opening game, like I think 24 hours before the op- uh, the home opener, basically went on WTOP and said, We've and, got and, a said and said we're close to a sellout. And there were there were like twenty five thousand no shut and empty seats in the stadium. You just reminded us of another reason that La Famina can't be like there's there's clearly that that was remember we said what the hell I mean you got a guy out here pushing yeah. for tickets to be sold and saying hey you know and I, remember La Famina's line in August he said we just kind of felt like if we had tickets available we should tell people yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not that hard. And Bruce is telling people we don't have tickets available yeah. when they had twenty five thousand so, available. So I mean, he again, he'd rather chew broken glass than than well, than he, come up with a statement uh, like this. But Brian Lafamina, uh, I, I mean, I feel more confident than ever. I'm doubling down on the fact he has, he supposedly has. I don't know if he still does. He's probably wiped it off on his whiteboard in his office. Some kind of motto that says, "Do one right thing a day." For a thousand days, well, you know what? He's he's not going to see five hundred days, let alone a thousand. <laughs> uh, I mean, because look, he was when he was say, first. You've brought, been saying and, that since the well, beginning. Well, it was a conflict. I mean, you had him and an army of suits that were brought in to do business in a way that was foreign to the way they've done business there ever since Dan Snyder's owned the team. Right. So there was inevitably going to be this clash. I mean, it's not like. You know, like all of a sudden there was going to be this transformation uh, to transparency. You know that that they were in, this was inevitable. I mean, again, I I, I think in part the league kind of like pushed these guys on Snyder. I think that's that's oh, a real I, possibility. I do too. I mean, I, I, I feel that way. I think I think they said, Dan. I mean, you're one of our. This is one of our premier franchises, and you're running it into the ground. You know, you need some help, and we're going to ship these guys down. You know, in in various ways, shape, and forms, to help you. But I mean, when he met with the press in that in that boardroom, and I'm uh, I'm sitting there thinking, my God, you know, this this poor guy, he doesn't he doesn't know what he's in for. I'm sure he thinks he does, but uh, this was inevitable. Bruce Allen does not do things transparently. He does not like to operate in the light. He likes to operate in the dark. That's why I call him the Prince of Darkness. And you have an owner who who just will will self-destruct and 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 destroy his his own product so and and if you don't here's here's the thing it's the 21st century and a good organization or a really bad organization that's trying to be good is going to consider it's going to consider the public relations outcry on every move they make 
everything they do. It doesn't mean it will dictate what they do, but they will consider it and take it seriously. And this organization, again, the one that 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 where you've got empty seats at the stadium, you know, home game after home game when they, when they have a six and three record, this organization clearly does not. They're still stuck in in well for Bruce Allen, they're still stuck in 1972, uh, as 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 it turns out. And you know, I've had I've had people say to me, well, the core the core Redskins fan, they don't particularly care about this <clears> stuff. Well, the core Redskins fan, they're at the stadium now. You're seeing the core. The problem is the outsiders, the fringe, the, the, the casual fans. That's, and that's an NFL problem, too. But that's a particular Redskins problem. If you drive away the casual fan, then, then you're, you're killing yourself. I'm not talking about the core Redskins fan that's going to say, I don't care what he did as long as he can win, help us win. Yeah, you know, I... I... I, I, there are a lot of people that feel that way, the way you just described it. Who cares? He can play, uh, you know, damn to, to everything else. We need talent on the field. Uh, that's great. But you know what? Uh, that's a significant minority, Tommy. And I know callers, you know, on 980 yesterday, and I was listening to some of the callers call in, and it seemed like to me listening for a while that the majority actually said, this is a great move. Um, but I, I find that that – the problem with this is that a lot of the reasonable fans, and I'm not saying that you're totally unreasonable to have that view. I mean, you may have legitimate reasons for having that view, and it's a debatable topic on on the football side, anyway. Yes. Um, but the uh, but the problem they have is the erosion of the majority of their fans that you just don't see reflected in the stadium on Sunday. You see it reflected in all of the other ways. You see it reflected in their merchandi- uh, merchandising dollars, well, their TV, in their, their TV, TV numbers, down. the TV ratings, etc. And you had a, you had a season. You know, I, I said this to you a, a few weeks ago that that um, because I think you made the comment to me, look, this is just a continuation. It's the same old, same old. And I said, of course it is. But there was one event this year that should have been the single biggest red flag. That the, the organization who is delusional at times about you know how their fan base has eroded to a certain degree and what people really feel about them because you and I have talked about this before but the Harvest Fest crowd is not the majority of their fans right. it's a very tiny percentage these are the people that will spend every disposable dollar on the organization and never think that the organization does anything wrong um, but the single you know biggest red flag event in years is that you had a home opener in September following a win on the road with a brand new quarterback that everybody was excited about and a running back, a Hall of Fame running back that went over 100 yards, and you had 25,000 minimum empty seats for opening day. Yes. That has never happened. We've seen half-filled FedEx in December and even late November, you know, when the season's lost. And they're they're bad and they're going nowhere. We've never seen that on opening day. No, ever, absolutely not. You mentioned the quarterback. Let me get to the quarterback for a minute, Alex Smith, because uh, pe- people will say will say, you know, this you, you don't mix football decisions with public relations decisions. And I would say to you that the whole that not I would say to you a significant percentage of the decision to trade for Alex Smith was about image and public relations. Fair point. I mean, they had a quarterback, a, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, who walked out the door with nothing to show for it, 
and they felt that they could not go into this next season and sell tickets with a rookie quarterback and Colt McCoy if they drafted a rookie quarterback in, in, in this draft. They felt in order to save face, they had to do something. And they got a lot of credit initially for the Alex Smith trade for doing just that. People said, wow, you know, they screwed up the Kirk Cousins things, but they rebounded well. That's about image. That's about perception. They made the best out of a bad situation that they had created. Yes. So that is a, that's about perception. So the Alex Smith trade, in part, I'm not saying that the, the majority, in part was made because of perception. There is no doubt, no doubt, and I love the way that you looked at that. It's the same way that you looked at, you know, sort of the Redskins name situation. You know, w- what would be worse, changing it or not changing it? Like not, not. I mean, changing it is potentially a lot worse, and people don't look at it from that uh, standpoint with respect to the lost fans because of, of of that. But looking at it from that perspective, there is no doubt that in the moment, Bruce Allen had some heat on him. Yes, you know, even the owner. Even the owner at the at the very end said, "What are we doing? Like this this guy, we we've, we've waited forever for a guy that could actually be a franchise quarterback. Why are we dicking around with this?" And he needed a solution. He needed a solution because they had to have some they had to have some juice coming into this season. They also needed a quarterback because yes, they had they some did. talent coming yeah, that's back the, that's off the of injured reserve. That's the, the legitimate but, football part. But he, part. Needed, he he couldn't he couldn't trot out Colt McCoy. No, you know, not, or, and not, and you know what? If he had trotted out Colt McCoy, they might have had twenty five thousand no shows at the home opener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can imagine that if they had started Colt and twenty five thousand people didn't show up. Um, I've got a question for you. What what's worse? The organization consulting twenty two, twenty three, twenty four year old Alabama players about what to do about Reuben Foster or lying about the fact that they consulted with these players? Well, I'm always gonna come down on the side of lying. Because I mean, because the, what they did there is they, they obviously these players were caught unaware and they put the players not only did they lie but they put the players in a bad situation D- Doug and the players yes yeah and you know look I wrote about this when Doug was f- first installed as the point man for them uh we saw this happen with Wes Unseld and we saw this happen with the late Mike Flanagan in Baltimore where guys who were heroes, for the franchise as players. When they go to the front office for whatever reasons and they fail, they become their their star diminishes within the history of the franchise. For a generation, Wes Unseld uh meant failure for the Bullets. You know, Mike Flanagan was a great starting pitcher and he was seen as the inept general manager for the for the Baltimore Orioles. And Doug Williams is in danger of having his elite status, well-deserved elite status within this franchise. Tarnished. Tarnished, but just by being in the building. Just being associated with the other people. Yes. Uh, That's not, you know, look, I think that will come down um, to age. I think for some of us, 
we're never gonna of let, course we're not. never like I never let the fact that Wes Unseld was basically you know Abe Poland's uh, you know puppet out there making you know horrible moves and and running a horrible franchise for many years. It never made me think any less of Wes Unseld as one of the greatest bullets of, of all time and and what a class act he was too as a player. I and, agree. And, and Doug is the, is almost in the exact same category. Yes. Now, Doug's not a Hall of Fame player, and Wes Unseld was. But I'm never going to think of Doug in any way other than, you know, leading them to a Super Bowl victory. Uh, and but and, I'm talking and, and, and about by the way, I'm talking representing about, the organization in a real positive way consistently. I'm talking about the the generation. No, a younger, now, yeah, a younger right generation now, who, who didn't see Doug Williams has no, uh, have one of the greatest quarters in the history of Super Bowl. Maybe no, actually the greatest quarter. In the history of a Super Bowl, uh, the the greatest quarter in the history of the quarter uh, of, of the Super Bowl, and a lot of significance to the performance he had beyond yeah. football. So uh, in nineteen, so I mean, there there look as as usual with the aura of self destruction. There's a lot of casualties. There's a lot of casualties from this. So I had Theismann on the show yesterday, and um, you. I, I lo- we both love Joe, but we also know that Joe, his default is to be very protective yes. of the organization. Yes, it is. Even Joe said yesterday, this one's a head scratcher. This one is a head scratcher. And, you know, then he moved on to talking about the team, and I tried to come back to it. I'm like, Joe, you don't like this move, do you? You, you don't think this is the right thing to do. And he referred to it as a head scratcher. For Joe... That's that's about yeah. as much criticism as you'll ever get. But he couldn't come up with a defense. He couldn't come up with a defense. Yeah, because even he recognizes there. On one hand, you can say "f everybody." We're trying to win here, and this guy's talented, and we liked him. But to your point, you know, for this organization in this moment, there's always context to everything and timing to everything. And there have been moments where I've said. You know, damn the torpedoes. Who who cares what you think about Des Bryant? Or who cares what you think about Michael Vick? Let's get him in. I I didn't feel that way about Michael Vick uh, at the time, but I'm just saying the Eagles took a shot on Vick because of talent, and and they took the PR hit. But this organization right now, with the credibility issues that it has in its own marketplace, you know, let alone you know a, a league wide. Um, at a stage in which you know it's very tenuous, they they have to know from a business standpoint that this season has been. If they didn't know it before this season, they've got to know it now, don't they? That they've had an erosion, a significant erosion of their fan base. You know, and uh, if and, they're if they're as delusional as you think they are, maybe not. Well. Th- so the guy that reached out to me from ESPN said to me, I don't think, and I'm going to look for it here. He said, I don't think that they understood what the reaction would be. He said, this is, the the problem is that they don't have anybody in the organization that understands what the ramifications are. Well, they PR do. Ramif- they do. Uh, but he's the new COO. But they don't listen to him. That that they don't listen to. They let. They were on the all three network nightly news last night for this. ABC, I know. CBS, and NBC. He said it's it's been for too long, too much old school thinking in a new age world. That's my point exactly. And and it's in the twenty first century. You don't you don't operate in a vacuum anymore. Whether you like it or not, perception impacts your product across the board. Look. It might not be a great comparison, 
But we saw what happened with the University of Maryland Board of Regents in a 24-hour period where their decision was to bring back DJ Durkin. And within 24 hours later, Durkin was fired again, was fired, and the chairman of the Board of Regents had to resign. That was all because of public perception and their inability, which we've heard uh, in different reports, they did not expect that kind of blowback. So, I mean, you've got to be prepared for that in this day and age when you're making decisions about personnel that you think have nothing to do with public relations. You've got to be prepared for blowback and perception and impact. That's new age. Yeah, I I would tend to uh, agree that pro- they, they way underestimated um, what the backlash would be. Uh, I don't think that they completely, you know, whiffed on that. I don't think that they thought, oh, no one will care. I mean, no, it's no, possible. I, it's possible with them. I'm not going to put and, it and, and past there is, them. And there is part of this thinking that, my God, people can't stand this anyway. How, how much worse can it be? That's what I said yesterday. Yes. And, that, and that's why th- that I would have suggested Bruce come out and handle this on his own the way I just suggested it, which is to, to acknowledge, hey, you know what, from a PR standpoint, honestly, can it get any, can it get any worse? I mean, we have to focus on the only thing that will help build our fan base once again, and that's winning. And we're not going to play this guy if he gets char if he's convicted of this thing or if the league says he can't play, but we're going to let it play out here, which is also why they could have waited. There was nobody See, else. That, they could have waited. Part of this problem is the timing. That's it right. was it, I mean, he was in jail on Saturday night. You know, I mean, when people say no one else put a claim in on him, well, the Hillsbury County Sheriff's Office put a claim (laughs) in on him. They had a claim in on him as well. So part of this is, I mean, the the rawness of the timing. And, you know, this has nothing to do with what's fair or what's not fair for Reuben Foster and innocent until proven guilty. And I can't tell you how I many... Agree, I agree I with that. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about it from the, the team standpoint yes. and the context of where the team is right now as an organization and whether or not, as you always say, the juice was worth the squeeze. Yes. It, 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 it's not. I mean, I, I, I can't... I think I said this yesterday. I just can't imagine that meeting on Monday or Tuesday... When you're sitting around as an organization potentially discussing it, or maybe that's not how it happened. Maybe this was a unilateral decision by Bruce Allen. But you say, look, we got a major ticket selling problem. We've got a major credibility problem when it comes to almost anything we do. Almost anything we do, we've got a credibility and a trust issue within in our market. Uh, there's this guy that just got a- arrested the other night for domestic <laughs> yeah. violence, his second one. Who's up for signing him? It's like I a mean, Saturday it, Night Live skit. It's unbelievable it to me. It probably will be a Saturday yeah, Night Live skit. It really, skit. It's, it, it, it's unbelievable. Here's, here's what I think we can say. The, sh- the era of goodwill for the Washington Redskins is over. You know the one that started <laughs> with when, Brian, with La Brian LaFamina? That ended with, with the signing, uh, with, with the claiming of Reuben Foster. That's over. That ship has sailed, and again, uh, we're, we're back. We're back to the old aura of self-destruction. How did you feel about those that used this particular claim uh, of a player to talk about 
Colin Kaepernick not being signed by the organization yeah. when they had a quarterback issue? To me, it has nothing to nothing to do with it whatsoever. I, I mean, that's just they're conveniently trying to shoehorn. Look, the Colin Kaepernick thing is a very complicated thing, very complicated. In an, in a way, Dan Snyder could legitimately make the case that it would be bad business for him to sign Colin Kaepernick. No doubt. I mean, because this is what apparently, according to the ESPN report about the meeting a year ago at the owners about the, the national anthem policy, he you know, basically he made the case, I've got defense and military contractors in my fan base that, that are not going to react to this. So whether you think that that's whether you think that that's wrong, unfair or what, it, I mean it wouldn't be good business for him. But and again, that's one of the many layers in what's a complicated issue it's, for Colin, but it has nothing to do with Reuben Foster. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was positioned poorly uh, to, for those that that brought it up. I, I see. The, on one level, it's very complex because you have those issues where it's bad business in certain markets to go down the path of Colin Kaepernick. But on another hand, it's pretty simplistic. You know, this is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. The right. last time he played, he got benched for Blaine Gabbert. So you're not going to sign a backup quarterback and have that kind of backlash as a possibility. You know, again, juice ain't worth the squeeze for anybody, really, especially in certain markets. This would be one of them for the reasons that you just mentioned. I mean, why would you... Why would you? They're, they're apples and oranges. Yes, Ruben they Foster are. and Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, they're but, not but, even close. But you know what? But again, when you make a move like Ruben Foster, you become the target for everything. So you open yourself up to uh, to these kind of arguments, and and it's tough to defend it. It's tough to have a rational defense of anything the Redskins do anymore. I mean, because people, I mean, it's like people just won't listen. They won't care. You know, the other thing too, Tommy, I, I think I mentioned this yesterday. I can't remember, but you know, part of what makes what happened this week just even dumber is they are gearing up for one of their biggest games in years, a Monday night game in Philadelphia for more, more, most likely the division lead. Why would you want this disruption and distraction this week? I don't. Why would you put your players into a position where they've got to answer these questions? Some players who uh, were were told by the team or the, the team told the media were consulted on this. Like why? Why the timing's bad too? For those of you that say to hell with the PR, he's a great player. We got to think about talent. We got to think about the future. Why this week? I mean, you are in a division race. Do are people even considering that anymore? I am. Like I, I, I'm looking forward to Monday night. I, I want them to go to Philadelphia and win. I think they've got a chance to go to Philadelphia and win. I would actually, even though I know they can't go to the Super Bowl this year because nobody's going to beat New Orleans in the Superdome, and the Redskins, even though they probably have a hell of a lot of fans in the Coliseum if they played a playoff game out there, envision they have a home game against, well, Minnesota would be the most <laughs> intriguing, but let's just say they have a home game against Seattle and they win that game, and they go to the Coliseum to play a divisional round game, that's not going to be a massive home field disadvantage 
There would be a ton of Redskin fans in that stadium. They can't beat the Rams. I'm not suggesting that. So I know that there's a massive limitation on what they can do. I'd still like to see them play postseason football this year. And here we are in the lead-up to what is a massive December game with huge stakes on Monday Night Football, and they went and did this. Why in that discussion, or at least in the discussion with himself, the the Bruce conversation with himself, didn't he say you know what, I don't want to take the attention off this big game Monday night. Yeah. Or maybe he did because he knows they're going to lose. I actually they, think they have a chance to win. Well, I think they have a chance to win too. But here's the other thing that, 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 that's, that speaks directly to this as they're preparing to play this game. Jay Gruden's going to have to stand before the media again. And if the media does its job out there, they're going to ask him, Jay, we talked to these players from Alabama. <laughs> And, and and they said, you know, no one consulted Tony them on Wiley's going to scream up, uh, no more questions yeah, about see, Ruben Foster. And, and, and you see. Did you the, hear that yesterday? Yeah, I know that. This is what the media can't do. I've so, I've told this okay. time and T- time again. Go ahead. Give him, give him a lecture. Is they can't tell you what you can and can't ask. They can end the press conference. They they can they can end it right away. But they can't tell you what you can ask and what you can't. Well, once- Only you can. You can decide what you want to ask. And if they want to end the press conference, don't be their puppets. Let them end the press conference because it will do you no good otherwise. They're, look, uh, these are more your contemporaries, your uh, colleagues, um, because you're a writer. But I don't recognize the business anymore, Kevin. <laughs> no, you don't. I really don't. You haven't in Listen, a while. No, let's but, not but forget. Let me, let me get my point okay, out. Go ahead. Yesterday, and I watched, I didn't watch it live. I watched it on Redskins.com, the Jay Gruden press conference, and I could hear Tony Wiley. I'm assuming it was Tony Wiley yeah. shouting from the background, that's it, on Reuben Foster. Can you imagine if that was a press conference in New York or Philadelphia <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. or in other markets? Yeah. They would have looked at Tony and told him to shut the F up. We'll ask whatever the F we want to ask. You didn't put your owner out here. You didn't put your team president out here. You put your coach out here as the sacrificial lamb. And yesterday in a press statement, Doug Williams out here. If you're not going to put the right people out here for us to have this conversation with and for us to ask questions to, then it's going to be your coach. You put him in this position. We didn't. And I, I... it went immediately to something about Jameson Crowder's injury. Yeah. Did, you, yeah. did you hear but that? You know what, Aaron, Jay- were you there? I wasn't there. I couldn't make it okay. out on time. But now I, I, I'm assuming this Jay Gruden probably already did his – well, maybe he still has his conference Now, they call. asked him a lot of questions. Yeah, I don't, they did. No, I don't no, want to no. minimize. They no, got no, a no. lot of questions but, to Jay but Gruden. Jay Gruden, I think, still may have his conference call with, with Philadelphia reporters. So he's going to have to answer questions there. The post game on, on Monday night, particularly if they lose – There'll be more questions about, about this. How about the pregame stuff that we're going to have to oh, deal with? Oh, my gosh. Leading up to it. I, yeah, I, I, I feel, just real quickly, I feel like I was, and maybe to collectively, and I, don't, and I know you don't care, I don't want to be overly critical of the, our media yesterday. I'm just, because they got in eight, nine, ten questions about Ruben Foster. I think Foster. it was ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, it no, was, they, they it was a solid amount of time, and they did a great job. Yes, they did. But here's what you can't... I mean, when when their PR person comes in, after screwing this up from a PR standpoint seven ways to Sunday and tells you it's over, there are a lot of markets where it's not over. Right. They're just off. And it shouldn't be over. Right. Now, maybe it was over. Maybe they had exhausted everything they were going to ask because there were a lot of questions and a lot of good questions. But there's more questions to be asked now. 
apparently. Uh, I wanted to get to one other quick thing uh, before we get to the Maryland-Virginia game. Um, yesterday, uh, the Sean Taylor doll, commemorative doll uh, thing that I talked about, uh, after the show, many of you tweeted this to me, and, I'm, and I appreciate it. They were available prior to the 11-year anniversary of his death. And, and so thanks to everybody who got back to me on that yesterday. That's an important distinction, and it was for me. You know, if they had rolled these things out on the anniversary date, you know, that's distasteful. If it, if it was an item that had been out there for a while, totally different situation. You know, Deadspin didn't point that out in their story, which I think made the accusation of in poor taste a bit unfair. So... I retract my feelings yesterday on that, although I said if the doll had been available for a while, I have a different view. I also have a much different view, too, and some of you pointed this out, that some of, if not the majority of proceeds from the sale of that Sean Taylor commemorative doll went to the Taylor family and have has been going to the Taylor family over the years. Well, so, you know, if, if Dan Snyder really wanted to help the Taylor family with a doll... He'd have them produce a doll of himself with with a set of pins. <laughs> you think, that would you think sell. that would be a top mover? I think I think that'd be under a lot of Christmas trees, baby. Well, th- those have to exist anyway. Somebody's <laughs> got to make that, don't they? But can you imagine, you know, if he did that and they sold those? That, that would that, be that self-deprecation. Would humanize him. It would be great for him. That would humanize him so much more than he's capable of being humanized. I don't think they're capable of doing that. Uh, Window Nation loves this podcast. Harley, Aaron, Eric listen all the time. If you've been thinking about new windows, I promise you as someone who have had, who's had Window Nation install windows twice over the last decade, you can't go wrong by giving them a call. Time is running out on Window Nation's deal of the year. This week is the final week for buy two windows, get two windows free, buy four, get four free, buy six, get six free with no limit. Plus, you'll get 0% financing for five full years. You'll be able to save that well-earned money to splurge on your family and friends this holiday season. Temperatures have been falling. It's been cold here for the last week. Um, You're feeling that cold air coming into your home. It's only going to get colder over the next few months. Your energy bills are starting to rise. Now is the time to get those windows replaced. Window Nation has saved customers an estimated $40 million in energy over the years. This is the final week of the best offer of the year from Window Nation. It's it absolutely ends this Sunday, so you've got to move quickly. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free with no limit, plus zero percent interest for five full years. Call 86690Nation. Save thousands on your windows and your energy bills. You'll save today, save tomorrow, you'll save forever. Call 86690Nation or visit windownation.com and do it by the end of day Sunday. Tell them we told you to call. All right, I was uh, in College Park last night for Maryland, Virginia. And I was at uh, Shelly's last night watching most of the game. Okay, good. So... You know, I with my with uh with a Maryland alum and my good friend Tony Rubo bartending, uh, very big Maryland fan by the way. What did he think of the game? <laughs> well, he, Tony he, think? he liked he liked he, he like everybody else who sees this kid play. He loves Bruno. You know, everybody I mean, everybody it, was really positive about the Maryland loss the, I, the loss last night. I really thought, positive. Are you being serious? 
Yeah, I'm being very serious. Well, I, mean, I, I thought I thought I, mean, they, I thought they acquitted themselves very well against the number four team in the country. I think they showed a lot of heart coming back. I mean, they made mistakes. They come out in the second half. They're down by nine. Uh, they have a chance to cut it to seven, and they miss a layup. And then all of a sudden, they're down by fourteen before you know it. Uh, but I like the way they play, and uh, uh, I love watching Bruno. I love watching an old school big man. This is probably outdated, uh, but we're Maryland basketball. We don't lose to Virginia at home. You know there aren't you know there aren't moral victories, and but there are now apparently. So I'll start with that. You know I wanted to win the goddamn game last night, and it was a winnable game um, against a very good team. And those are the games you got to start winning at some point. You know they're number four in the country. Whatever Gary used to take number one to the woodshed on an annual basis in that building. Uh, I will say this, though. <laughs> I thought they played well. Yeah, I did think they played well. Virginia had two turnovers on the road in that environment, and they weren't loose ball turnovers. They were two offensive fouls. Those were the two turnovers. Do you know how hard that is to do on the road in a tough environment yeah. where you've got a team that's good in Maryland and, and, a, and, a, and a crowd that's revved up and you don't turn the ball over one time, loose ball turnover. The two again, the two turnovers were not. Oh, we get we had a steal or we threw a bad pass. It, they were two offensive fouls. Offensive fouls count as turnovers. That's amazing. That, that really is, is really amazing. Tony Bennett, Tommy, is one of, if not the best. Period. Hands down. His teams they they can't get rushed. They can't get sped up. Uh, they protect the ball. Uh, they run the best half-court offense of any college basketball team out there. His teams are the best when it comes to half-court defense and transition defense. You can't beat them down the court for an easy bucket in transition. On the other hand, they lost to a 16 seed. They did. <laughs> I know it's. A, it's you know? They, they were chanting that last night. Yeah. At you know? UNBC I mean, how camp. good a coach could he be? That's great. We we couldn't beat you, but our satellite campus, you know, beat you last year. That's 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 awesome. It's not a satellite campus, really. Yeah, and by the way, you want <laughs> UNBC is a really. It's a good school. It's, it's a really it's good a school. Very now. good school. I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. Yes, I, and by the way, when you really want to win these games, is well, unfortunately, you don't play these games anymore because you don't play in the ACC. And yesterday's a reminder yeah, I w- I of, to beat them. of what you miss yeah. by not doing that. But you want you want Turgeon teams to start winning these games in February. I mean, again, that's you know, I mean, you should be encouraged about the way Maryland played, but I think there's still questions about how much better Turgeon teams get over the course of a season. Let me just address what you said before that, and we'll, we'll circle back to Turgeon okay. and the team. When you when you just said you you talked about you know an ACC matchup, I mean, you know everybody focuses on Duke and Carolina as as a longtime lifelong Maryland person. I want to I, I love beating the hell out of Virginia. You know, there's a lot of snobbery at UVA. There's a lot of oh, looking down. They think down. they're the Harvard <clears throat> of, of of the Mid Atlantic. You know, th- there's a lot of reference to Maryland as an ag school when you talk to UVA people, and like it's really, really condescending. And it has been over the years. And by the way, you know, the position Maryland had in the ACC for so many years was sort of that northern redheaded stepchild. Right. You know, and 
the outlier, which we were a charter member of the ACC and the third winningest program in the history of that league behind North Carolina and Duke, well ahead of Virginia. (laughs) Virginia does not have a national championship. Uh, I'll remind all Virginia fans of that. So, you know, when you mention that, it's like, I don't have that feeling for anybody in the Big Ten. No. The feeling I had last night of I wanted to beat UVA. And and UVA, you know, their fans, they had some fans there behind their bench. There's always that, you know, road uh, visiting fan section. But I know a lot of Virginia fans, they they look down on coming out to College Park to a game because it's just a bit too, you know, violent. You know, we we don't want to get hit by batteries. We don't want the people to throw things at us. <laughs> you know, like that happens every time you're in, in College Park, which it does not. Um, look, the crowd can be a little uh, a little over the top at times, but I've gone to the vet before. I love go. I, I've been to the vet two or three times for Redskins Eagles games. I'm not afraid to go in there now. I never wore colors in there, but it was fun to be there. But I, God, it would have been good to beat them last night. Would have been really good to beat them last night. I, I so to your Maryland thing, a couple of things about this team. They are good. I, I say that a lot at this time of year, and I have over the past several years. Sometimes I'm too optimistic, but I I think they're going to be really good. They never quit down 17. And understand this about Virginia. Virginia clubs you when they have a 17-point lead. They win by 35 usually when they get up 17. They bludgeon people to death, into submission over and over again. It's nearly impossible to come back on Virginia down 17. And Maryland had a legitimate chance. Yes, they did. You know, late in the game. Um, They are young but they, their, their young players are good players. Jalen Smith is a really good player. He's an NBA first-rounder. Aaron Wiggins is a future NBA player in my view. Not, But Maryland will be able to enjoy his growth over the next two to three years. Eric Ayala, hell, he's basically their point guard. He plays point more than, than Cowan does. They're talented, and they're, they're ready. You know, you're not going to have to wait on these guys to, 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 to sort of come up to the level of play. They're ready for this level of play. Maryland's going to be a good team when we get to February and March. They should be. They should be a All good right? team. They should be a good team. Their freshmen are good. They don't appear to need a lot of time to adapt to this level. They have legitimate, legitimate interior size. Fernando and Smith are both NBA first-rounders. Bruno Fernando is about as large a human being on a college level that you'll see, you know, up close. They're also very skilled. Fernando's a beast defensively as a shot blocker and a rebounder. Smith still, uh, Jalen Smith, Smith still needs some bulk. Um, you can see though the skill. Uh, they struggled offensively last night. It was very interesting. They struggled offensively when both of them were in the game together. So Turgeon went small, pulling one of them out. I mean, going with a slightly smaller lineup, but but they're not always going to struggle offensively with both of them in the game. Virginia's a tough matchup, but I'd be very surprised if Maryland isn't a tournament team that plays into the second weekend. I'd be surprised, too. I think I'm they have you. that kind of talent yes, and ability. I, tell you, I can't tell you how heartwarming it is to watch a player like, like Bruno uh, um, play under the basket and not run 25 feet away from the basket. <laughs> well, he can. And, and call he can do but, it. But, but he doesn't. He, he, he generally doesn't do it. And you know what? I, can't, I was sitting in the bar. I came to maybe a realization as to why I hate the way the game has changed so much in part. Uh, when I played basketball, you know, in the Y leagues. For the Knicks. Summer leagues. No, this is legit. 
when I played, I, I was not a great shooter. My game was that I I could if if you were gonna if you were gonna cut to the basket, I'd give you the you'd find the, you'd get the ball. <laughs> I bet you set some really good screens. Well, no, no, I mean too. it's just uh, good screens, but, but but you're gonna make the pass. You're gonna I, make the I right was pass. The, and 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 you know that's disappeared. That's disappeared from from a lot of the game because there's no one. Everyone's running away from the basket. No one's running to the basket anymore. So I think I'm sitting there thinking. Let me ask you a question. You, uh, you play still play, uh, you know, Sandlot basketball. <laughs> There's no three point shot when you play, is no, there? No, no, not in. Okay, yeah. so th- well, no, no. Hold on. Let me back up. There are a couple of of games over the years in recent years that I play in where there is a three point line, and yes, they'll you'll they'll count the threes. But in the game that I play that you would enjoy with a lot of older dudes, I mean, no vertical. No real athleticism in the game anymore, but everybody knows how to play. Yeah, um, it's only twos. So, so but generally, and it's actually, it, we, I mean, we count them as a one. Isn't that the case generally? That that in most playgrounds and yeah. sandlots across America, yeah, but, but it's no not, one's counting the no, three-point No, no, in shot. some places they are. It depends when you're playing indoors in a in a gym that's got the three-point line out there. Like it, I, I mentioned, but I've mentioned Bethesda Sport and Health so many times over the years because for many years I played three, four days a week there, and there's a three-point line, and you count the three. Really? Yep. That's disappointing. I know. I know. It it, it is, but. The um so that's that's all that's a, that's one of the reasons no, why they, I like watching Maryland. They've play. got two bigs. Yeah, they've got they do. But let me just tell you because you haven't seen it yet. Jalen Smith can shoot the three. Fernando can shoot the three, and at the next level. And last night after the game, I was there with Scott, so a lot of the NBA guys that were there wanted to you know hanging out with him, talking to him. And Lawrence Franks was we were having a conversation with him and Paul Hewitt. They're both now remember Lawrence Franks coached the Nets and, and the Pistons the Nets and Paul Hewitt and was Paul the coach was at Georgia Tech at and then Mason. Mason. Yeah. Um, but really at Georgia Tech is right. where he had the big run in Siena before that. But I spent some time talking to both of them afterwards. And what you're going to see at Maryland games all year long is a ton of NBA scouts. There were 22 there yesterday. Yeah, wow. I mean it's going to be filled with NBA scouts at these games because of Smith and Fernando. Fernando and really, you know, Wiggins. They've got NBA. They've got. You see, Turgeon's had talent, but I don't think he's had. Aaron, am I right? I don't think he's had this much NBA talent on his team. I mean, you could argue the the Diamond Stone year, but it didn't pan out. But at the time, at the beginning, there were a ton of scouts at those early season games. That team that was ranked number two preseason had a lot of perceived NBA talent. Right. And maybe this will be – I don't know. Fernando's going to have now an these, NBA career. No, these guys, these guys yeah. play the game right and play the game hard. But anyway, in talking to these guys, um, there there was – you know, one of them said there are five or six NBA players on the floor tonight, both teams. Virginia's Kyle Guy and, oh. and Ty Jerome are just – Deadly. Just incredible. <laughs> uh, and they – yeah, they, look – Maryland's got a chance to be really good, and and I'm glad. Last night, though, was an opportunity. You know, the the challenge and the competition for, you know, eyeballs in a big market like D.C. with all of the sports teams that we have. And, you know, Maryland used to be a given. They they were going to get followed. They were going to sell out the building every night. They were going to be huge TV ratings. It's not that way anymore. You know, last night was the first legitimate, you know, sold-out game they've had. This is this what year. I've been trying to tell people. There is a lot more competition for sponsorship, advertising, attention, everything in the sports market 
it, here in Washington than there was 15 years ago, which, 20 years ago. Which is why I would say, yes, they are a good team and they played well last night against the number four team in, in America. But and, and Inturgent spoke glowingly about the opponent and about his team too. But I look at it also as if they had won that game, that's that's a lost opportunity because nobody's getting fired up for a five-point loss to Virginia in terms of trying to get those additional eyeballs back on Maryland basketball. They have a home game Saturday night. It's the Big Ten opener. It's against Penn State. The building won't be anywhere near what it was last night. Now, part of that is you've got Alabama-Georgia on TV at the same time. It's Saturday. But, you know, I, I just... I wanted I wanted last night. I wanted them to get last night. I actually thought they were going to win the game going in. They were only the game went off at two and a half. They were a two and a half point underdog at, at tip off. And there was yeah, Aaron, Aaron watched my reaction last night because it was seventy six seventy one with two seconds left. Maryland threw it into Daryl Morcel, um, and he uh, launched one from half court for the for the cover <laughs> and it went off the backboard hit the front of the rim and nearly went in and it was i mean it was, it was really funny because um i right when he missed there were like three dudes standing behind me going shein that was for the cover <laughs> i'm like i know i'm like it was so funny. The, the reaction from the crowd everybody was like oh but just an awe because it ended. Yeah. meanwhile kevin's basically doubling over <laughs> yeah i think mean, scott had uh, we both had maryland last night yeah. plus plus the three we got it at a, at a favorable number and that would have been a 76 74 final winner yeah. uh but you know overall like i did walk out of there disappointed on one hand but also encouraged about their first real game of the year, the, a really good opponent, a national championship Final Four type of team they played last night, um, although we thought that of Virginia last year. And uh, I think Maryland, they played 20 Big Ten games this year. They're in the 20-game you know, season this year. I think they got a chance to win 14, 15 they Big should. Ten games and contend for a potential Big Ten, you know, certainly a top three Status that and, team and be a second I saw, weekend March team. I, that I team think that. I saw last night. That should be a team that 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 plays into the tournament in March. Should be. We'll see. Um, we shall see. All right. Let me tell you about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Ralph Perkins, Kevin Farish, Run Farish. Ralph's in the store every single day. Kevin's in the store a lot too, but Ralph is in that store, uh, in that dealership every day. And I promise you, if you go out there and you're thinking about something new, you're not going to go wrong by giving Farish a chance. And if you head out there, please, when you walk in, and this happens to Ralph, he's used to it, just say, uh, can I meet Ralph Perkins? I heard about the dealership from Kevin Sheehan's podcast. Ralph will come out. He will put you in touch with one of their best salespeople. Farish right now has the highest rebates they've had all year long. They're trying to move their inventory off their lot before the end of the year, and that means great deal opportunities for you. The Jeep Cherokee, Grand Cherokee, and Wrangler, lots of deals on all three of those vehicles, which is giving you an opportunity, if you've been thinking about any one of those three, to really get a phenomenal price. Uh, they've got plenty of inventory, too, so the, there will be plenty of, of, of vehicles to choose from. The Ram pickup also, 
terrific deals right now on that vehicle. If you like this show, you've been thinking about something new, I give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to Farish in Fairfax. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph when you get there. Tell him that I sent you. You can also find out everything Farish has right now, including live inventory and live pricing at FarishCars.com. Kevin. Tommy. Uh, <clears throat> the Team 980 has tweeted out in the past 20 minutes, Redskins Vice President Doug Williams with our, our guy, Rick Doc Walker, on talking to Alabama players on the team about Reuben Foster. Quote from Doug Williams, We didn't hold a convention. It wasn't like we talked to all five. The ones we did talk to knew him very well. It doesn't say which ones they talked to. And heaven forbid, when you're doing homework on this guy, you would talk to everybody on the team who knew him, you know, like like that was some kind of like extraordinary effort to try to do that. They're only in the same building. What else you. should they have done? What in, in their well, due they should diligence, have contacted the Tampa police, which they did not, according to reports. According to reports, the Eagles were the only ones that did that. Apparently, uh, that that's a that's a good place to start right there. The Tampa police and and his past. They, they should have contacted and, and made sure they had copies of the police reports for the other two times he was arrested in the past 12 what months. What about the 49ers? Do you, well, do you, I'm thinking they don't talk. Okay, but what about the league? Do they talk to somebody at the league and they say, we are considering doing this? Is there something we should know from San Francisco that isn't out there publicly? I don't know if they'd ask that question because I don't think they'd want to know the answer. To be honest with you, I'm not saying that they'll ask these questions. I'm saying what questions should be asked well, by yeah. a reasonable, smart organization. Yes, yeah, that that should this be a question. What about a conversation with the league? I mean, doesn't in this particular situation with you know in the Me Too era, in the domestic violence, uh, you know, again, era of it being again, so prominently. Uh, talked about and and being such an issue in our society and the team what is the league ground do? zero right about the cheerleading scandal that that, that, that hurt what does the, the league do when the redskins put the claim in other than just release the fact that we had one team <laughs> one dummy did it and it was them what did, i mean is there pushback from the commissioner from anybody I don't know. I don't know either. I'm, but but in a, you know, I understand that these clubs, that these teams, you know, are one thirty second of the league, and they operate at times very independently. But it's a ten billion dollar, you know, business in aggregate, where all of these thirty two are under the umbrella of the shield, and they all want what's best for the league. In this particular situation, on some level, like I'm just thinking about this, and maybe I'm off here. The league should have prevented anybody from signing him or claiming well, him. Well, actually, that's legitimate. They should have put him on the commissioner's list the minute he was he was cut by the 49ers. I don't know if that would have prevented a claim off waivers. I I think it would. But, but the league should have prevented any of their teams yes. from signing this player. I guess they thought nobody would be stupid enough. <laughs> <laughs> but am I right? Yes, they should have. They should have prevented this. On the other hand, you know, someone was, they're probably thinking, well, if a team's going to pick him up, Thank goodness it's the Redskins, <laughs> you know. Like they're not not that it's a team that we care about. 
or that picked him up or something like that. Thank goodness it's the Redskins. Yeah, but the league doesn't want the, the, the three stories on the three network news last night. Of course night. they not. They, they, they don't want their partner ESPN to do what they're going to have to do Monday night in the pregame lead up and talk about this and talk about how it came about. They, they don't want this, you know. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, basically, I've got a new opinion on this. This is the league's fault on some level. Yes, it is. It really on so, is. On some level, they have to prevent their dummies from, from doing from dumb hurting things themselves in situations that are this sensitive. Yeah, they really should have take Tommy. them off the hook. Yeah, no, I don't think allow you're right. them to do it. And and look at the, it's a big, still a big issue for the leagues. I mean, they're still reeling from the Ray Rice. Handling. Let's They're not learn. reeling from that. Oh, oh yes, they are. Listen, internally, uh, but they are. Uh, they, Kevin, Kevin. Internally, how? Who, Explain that to who me. Who got hired as director of security for the NFL about 18 months ago? Right. Kathy Lanier. Yep. The, the, the woman, very impressive former D.C. Right, head of police. Who's a woman. Yep. And what happened right after that? Ezekiel Elliott got suspended for six games by the Dallas Cowboys, even though he was never convicted of, of a crime. In in in, in the, the uh, domestic violence case that he was involved in, so yes, they still feel the effects of that. Yeah, I I, I, I I'll take your word on it. I'm I'm talking about with respect to just fans in general. You yeah. know, when you're, I mean, that's the other thing too. I've heard people try to equate this to Adrian Peterson signing, and you should be just as outraged. There are significant differences. You know, between Adrian Peterson and claiming Reuben Foster off of uh, off of waivers, and and I'll and, and I'm not going to go into depth on this, Tommy, but there are there are a lot of cultural and generational differences in raising children. I'm not saying striking a child is ever a good thing. Trust me, it's not. Um, with the, with the pictures that we saw of of Adrian Peterson's child, but you know, time had passed. He had played for two different teams. He was eligible to play. Um, you know, it was in August that they signed him after their second round prized, you know, draft choice, uh, went down, uh, guys to, to, to injury. Let me just it's point not, out, it's not apples to apples. He had been with two teams That's, since I, then. Yes. Was there an echo in here? I just said that. Well, you know, my headphones aren't working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had been with two teams already. It's, yeah. a, it, it, it's just not a comparable situation. So when I've heard people say, well, if you're outraged at this, you should have been super outraged at Adrian Peterson. No, they're just, they're not real right. comparable situations no, for that, a lot of different listen, reasons. This is stupid on its own. It doesn't need any comparables. I know it doesn't. <laughs> uh, all right, one I, we didn't mention. we didn't get to, we didn't get to Dwight Howard. Well, let's start with the Wizards last night. <laughs> well, you didn't expect them to beat New Orleans with Anthony Davis on the road. No, but I didn't expect. No, I didn't. I told you that there's nothing about what's happened in the in this big six out of nine I know. stretch I know. that leads me to believe that it, that something good's going to happen. Uh, I didn't see any of the game last night because I was at the Maryland game. But you know, Wall and Beal apparently, you know, com- combined for seven turnovers in the first half, and there was a lot of disinterest in the game. They were down early. They were down, I think, uh, what were they down? Twenty at halftime. I think it was twenty at halftime, uh, and uh, they were playing a better team than the team that they played the other night and came back on. The other team they played the other night's a good team, but that team's that, been playing poorly. And that team didn't have what? The, the, didn't have Chris Paul. Right. Didn't have Houston Chris Paul. Did. And when yeah. they did beat the uh, Pelicans the night before. They didn't have Anthony Davis. All right, so on the Dwight Howard thing, I have a simple question for you. You should know the answer more than I would know the answer. 
Why hasn't there been any reporting on this? Okay. No reporting on this. Now, maybe I've missed it. Maybe Candace Buckner and, and whoever does the beat on, on your paper. Do you have a Wizards beat reporter? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, maybe I've missed it, but very little reporting on what came out about Dwight Howard uh, over the weekend, TMZ, various other places, about his relationship with a transgendered person and the uh, threats that apparently he made via his pastor uh, towards this person if they didn't keep this relationship quiet. The physical threats made. Why hasn't there been any reporting on this? Well, look, for one thing, it's very awkward and distasteful. So what? The second thing is, Kevin, this is what happens when people say media. They lump everyone together. I guarantee you that most credible media do not consider TMZ to be credible media. Mm -hmm. On the other hand... Even the National Enquirer gets stuff right sometimes. Well, TMZ seems to get things right all the time. Well, they, we don't know. I mean, how, how how do we know? We don't know. We don't pursue well, there, it. Well, there are tapes. Have you listened to the recordings? Yes, I, I get that. Okay. I, I get that. Uh, but, you know, the Washington Post doesn't have those tapes. The Washington Times doesn't have those tapes. There's and there's, been a, there's, no, there, there's I, a reluctance to take TMZ as a credible okay. news source. All right, beyond that, he's not playing for the team right now. It's reported as an injury. Um. By the way, of the two things that we were talking about, the relationship with the transgender person and the physical threat, the physical threat, can we all in, in 2018 admit that that's actually much worse, <laughs> that that's a much more serious yes. Yes. charge? So why hasn't there been anything? Do you think that they're still doing research? Do you think that there's activity on the reporting front from our local media on whether or not Dwight Howard's been involved in something that could be criminal. I can't say, Kevin. What, I, what's your guess, Tommy? No. No? no. There's no there, There's no research into this? There's no making calls? There's no trying to figure out if there's a story here? Maybe there is. I don't <laughs> what know. What is your problem with this? <laughs> I don't know. Why are you so uncomfortable with this conversation? Uh, well, because, because again, it, it's, it, it's icky stuff. You know, it's it, it's icky personal stuff. Okay, just take the other part of it. Take the 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 potential the, the possibility that there was some sort of threat towards this person if they went public with this information. Hello? When when a police Where, where's the reporting on You know this? what? When a police department charges them, then I'll pay attention. Okay. How's that? Well, when a credible I, organization besides TMZ comes up with something then i'll pay attention well, to let, it but but i tell you one he's not going to be playing for this team for a long time because of injury or because of something else well now we don't know we don't know and, well, he, and he may never play for this team okay so i think that's a possibility too, yes off of this i mean I, I, I have a source a let, good source who told me he's not coming back for a while a long while. And did your source say it was because of injury or because yes. of this other thing? They said it was because of injury, but mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Okay. I don't know anything about this. I would disagree with you on this. I would disagree with you. I can't imagine that Candace Buckner in the Post and other people who report on this team, I'm talking about the beat reporters on this team, or investigative reporters for various outlets, that they're not paying attention and trying to find out if there's a story there. And maybe the fact that there has been no reporting means there isn't a story there. 
Maybe there isn't. But uh, man, this thing nearly blew up Twitter Saturday night. I know that, Kevin, but that doesn't mean anything. It means that there should be some no some no, follow I mean, up to see not, if any of it's true. Don't be like Pavlov's dog. The bell rings <laughs> and I you answer I, it. I think that I think there's been there's some investigating enough, into whether or not there these these allegations are true. There's not enough thought in the media where where they say I'm not you know I'm uh, that that's not credible to me. I'm having nothing to do with. There's not enough of that right now. There's too much of you know the social media bell rings and everybody jumps for it. Okay, so listen. That, what? Dwight Howard, I mean, if he ever does wind up playing for this team, will will have more than enough dysfunction to write about <laughs> besides threatening people he's had relationships with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So much for Dwight Howard in Washington. Yes. Uh you know what? Maybe te- you know what? Maybe Ted Leonsis uh thinks this is a media creation, like he did the whole Dwight Howard uh as the team cancer reports. You know, he's the guy who said that's a media creation. Dwight Howard being a problem with organizations. I think I read uh, and uh, Andy Pollan, uh, my partner on one. What do you think he thinks now? Yeah, I know. I mean, well, what I think he thinks now, I think he thinks, boy, I got a great GM, don't I? Uh, Andy uh, on our show, one hundred six seven, a fan, uh, Pollan and Lavero, Saturday mornings nine to twelve, pointed out that I think Sean Devaney for Sporting News wrote a story. And I'm probably messing this up. Uh, that every team Dwight Howard was with, the last year he was there, their record was worse in every single place. Oh he's yeah, been. that's that's true. Every place he's been. That is true. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> okay. I, I just I just want to come back to this one more. Oh time. my god! <laughs> I just find it really interesting that nobody has even glanced in the direction of this story. Well, what are you doing? That's not my job. My job is to read the reporting and then have an opinion about it. Unless I get something that's really good. But I I, I just... What does it say about what you just described is icky? That I, I... Here's something, Tommy. Has anybody even asked Dwight Howard for a comment? Do you think... Well, he hasn't been around. Oh, come on. His, rep- his agent's around somewhere. And he was at the game the other night. Uh... Uh, Ralph Wesley, who's the PA announcer and, and a good friend of both of ours, we love Ralph. Ralph, because I, I, I said, I wonder if he was even at the game, and Ralph texted me and said, no, he was at the game. Has anybody asked him to comment on these allegations, this story? The fact that his representatives, according to some of the reporting, threatened this particular person for their silence, you to know, stay silent. You know what? Maybe you should call up your good buddy Scott Hall with the Wizards, (laughs) and ask him directly about this. And then see if there's any parking for you for the next game. And and drop a few uh, personal threats for me while you're you're on the phone with him. Scott's a good guy. Oh, yeah. Salt of the earth. No, Scott, look. (laughs) Salt of the earth. There there are PR people in this town that let's just say are limited, including, you know, the the main story we've been talking about here the last two days, major limitations from a public relations standpoint. Scott does an excellent job. Yeah, he's wonderful. An excellent job. Yeah, he, he's he's he, on my he's on my list of favorite. Yeah, people. I know because he didn't give you the kind of parking you wanted. Actually, as a it, media it's member, it's a little bit more complicated. It than is. That. Yes, it is. Oh, let, do we have to get into it? No, now? we don't. Okay. All I right. just want to point out, maybe you should call your buddy and ask him about what's going on with this. Why don't? Will, will you tell me afterwards? What you've never told me that there's anything more, uh, uh, anything more 
then you were always off-put by the fact that they wouldn't give you proper parking. Okay, I'll tell you right now. Okay, here we long. go. Uh, I, I, I need opening that. game a few years ago, uh, I, I sent you know a request for a credential and for parking. And this is when I was still dealing with bad knees, and, and, and parking was a real issue for me. And you me. didn't have me to drop you off in front. Right, exactly. And he said, uh, we don't have enough parking for you. You, you know, you're not going to have that. So I said, okay, you know, that's fine. So next year, opening game again rolls around. I do the same thing again. He sends me an email back saying, no, there's no parking for you. We don't have enough parking for you. Well, do other out, media members get parking? Yes. Yeah, because I've, I've gotten parking yeah, from them before. I find out later, uh, I find out later that Zach Bono, who was working for Scott Hall, then he had left the Wizards and then come back. What? Zach went back to the Wizards? Yes. Yes. He had Zach a period. went to the Redskins and then to Maryland no, and now no, to Mason. He had a period where he had, he had been the PR guy at the Wizards, left. Okay. And then came back. All right. So what happened? So Scott, uh, so so Zach goes to to Scott and says, "Look, this guy's been covering sports in this town for twenty years. You know, you really should give him parking." So he had a personal plea from someone who who knows this town, who's worked in public relations, who works for worked for him right. at the time, and he still said after that, "No." I'm going to ask him the next no. time I talk to him why. I'm going to ask him because maybe you did something to him. There are people that you've done things to, you know, there are people that, you know, none that didn't deserve it. There are people that have you on their list. None that didn't deserve it. Tommy's got this list he keeps of people who, uh, you know, will never ever, uh, be anything but, but dead to me, dead to me, dead to him. But the, uh, there are others in this town that have you on their list. I find that hard to believe. I'm such a likable guy. I find it hard to believe too. So I'll tell Scott what a great guy you are. I think I've said that to him before. Yeah. But I didn't really. Give him my best. I just thought it was a parking issue only. You see, this is why, this is why I don't go, I go to Wizards games. You don't. Because I'm afraid I I, I just may go off on him. You could. You could. Uh, It has nothing to do with Ernie. We're going to do Scott tomorrow. By the way, I heard that. Ernie said to Scott Hall, of all guys not to give parking, why didn't you give it to him? Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. And Ted likes you, too. Well, no, he liked me. He did like you. Now, he, it, it, when Ted sees me, he looks at me like John Gotti looked at Sammy DeBull Gravano <laughs> when they saw each other in Traitor. the prison yard. Yes. All right, let's finish up the show with a little NFL power pull. <laughs> Look at Tom scrambling. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you not ready for this? Uh, yes, I'm ready for it. All of right, course I'm let's ready do it. for it. Rank them one to five. It's time for our weekly NFL Power Poll. All right. It's really not that hard right now. Do you think it is? No, I don't think it's hard. Go ahead. Give me your top five. Okay. Uh, my top five are the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I, I, I still have such a hard time saying that. Uh we all do. It's tough keeping the Houston Texans out of there right now, but uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, look, I'm just going to run through this. I mean, because I got to tell you, Kevin, this really does nothing for me at all. I mean, zero for me. Understood. New England. That's why pa- we're going to keep doing. New England it. Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, number three, <laughs> Los Angeles Rams, number two, 
and the New Orleans Saints at number one. Can there, you, there, there's my NFL can, power poll. Repeat, and for the reasons, repeat that again. for the for the reasons. Repeat. You went that through that much too quickly. Well, you know, number uh, five was what? Number five were the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Uh, New England Patriots, Kansas uh-huh. City Chiefs, Los Angeles Rams. Oh, you're not writing this down. New Orleans. No, no, Saints. We, we 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 tweet it out every week. No, you don't. What's your what's your you power don't tweet this out? Is uh, the only difference I have is I've got New England three and Kansas City four. I've got the Chargers five, uh, New Orleans one, Rams two. New Orleans would be one and maybe two, three, and four before you get to five. You know what this is like? This is like running the, one of the fastest heats ever in the four hundred meters, and then five yards before the finish line. Tripping. <laughs> That's what we just did here on this podcast. I know, but it's always been an entree for us into more discussion about where the league is right now. Guess what? <laughs> We've talked enough today. <laughs> what are you going to invoice me for the uh, for the additional time? Um, I would tell. I'll tell you this: that to me, Chicago's nearing the top five. Yes, a potential top five. Yes, game. they look pretty good, and they may have a coach of the year. Uh, Him or Frank Reich may be the coach Houston is definitely near the top five. You could have easily debated Houston as a top five team. Uh, I considered them for my five spot instead of the Chargers, but I didn't want to get mocked today for not having the Chargers in the top five because I'm actually, you know, rooting for the Chargers and Phillip Rivers to do well. Uh, What about tonight's game? Dallas hosting New Orleans. Do you give the Cowboys a chance? No, no chance. I do. I give them a really good chance. And, in fact, let me just tell everybody right now, um, that is a smell test pick. The Whoa. first one of the weekend. Whoa. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys tonight, plus the seven at home against the Saints, is a smell test selection. Uh, the last two weeks, Tommy, two and a half weeks, 23 and six. Really? Smell test. Yeah, 23 and six. you're so giddy. Uh, the, I had the Titans Monday night, so maybe that's the beginning of a losing streak. But Dallas plus the seven, you ask, how do they keep it close? Well, first of all, for, for the Cowboys, uh, this, they are a good defensive team. This is a really good defensive team. And in recent games, when the Saints have really rolled up points and a lot of offense, they played Atlanta on Thanksgiving night, Philadelphia, who's crippled in their secondary, and Cincinnati. Right? Those are the last three. Now, they, they put up 45 on the Rams, too. And the Rams have given up points this year. Defensively, I still don't. It's a disconnect for me on their talent um, and their results. Uh, But I think this is going to be the best defensive team New Orleans has faced in a while. It's their first legitimate road game since the Minnesota game because at Cincinnati was not much of a road environment. Dallas is playing well. And Dallas, Tommy, can run the football, stay balanced, and win the time of possession keep the ball out of Drew Brees' hands, and I think they've got a chance to win the game tonight. Kevin. Outright. Dallas. But plus the seven. Kevin. The smell test. This is like, in coaching, this is like Vince Lombardi versus Pee Wee Herman. I mean, he, I mean, Jason Garrett doesn't stand a chance. Shouldn't even be on the same field. That that, with sh- Sean that should Payton. be a consideration. Yes, I, I I'll concede that point. Okay, but the line there's your smell. The test. line tells me all I need to know, I know is that it's sticking at seven, and the public is heavily uh, on New Orleans. One other quick thing about the Saints. I was thinking about this last night. Drew Brees, who before this they played the Saints this year. You know, I think I made this case with you. I don't know if I did it on one of the days you weren't in, but I said, look, Drew Brees is a, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. Lock first ballot, all of that. 
But let's not confuse Drew Brees with the, you know, the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, you know, or those that would be considered for the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, the Montanas, the Marinos, the Elways, the Mannings, the Bradys, et cetera, because he's not in that category. No, he's not. Um, and I think most NFL fans would agree. But I was thinking about last night. If they go through the rest of this season, they win a Super Bowl. He's the MVP. It would be his second Super Bowl. It would be, I believe, his second MVP, right? Breeze. I'm gonna. I I, I thought I didn't look that up when I was because I just assumed that he had won an MVP. But it would be his second Super Bowl. And you know how a lot of people say when they're evaluating quarterbacks, it's about the Super Bowls, which I disagree with. Which is, I still have Marino. I've got Marino on my Mount Rushmore. Marino is one of the greatest four or five quarterbacks I have ever watched. I would agree with that. And I remind everybody that Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. Yes. With, he has with never the won an MVP. So he's never won an MVP. All right. So he's going to, right now, the, he is the clear front runner yes. to win the MVP. I'm sorry, Pat Mahomes. If Drew Brees goes on uh, to have the season that he's had and they're a 14 and two or 15 and one team and they're in the Super Bowl, he's your MVP. Yes. Maybe Drew Brees with a second Lombardi trophy. I don't think so. Maybe no. maybe people start to think of him he in that class. Who's he going to knock off? It's not that it, he knocks off anybody. You, you, he, then you have to expand jo- Mount Rushmore. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the quarterbacks that you consider to be Mount Rushmore worthy. He joins that group potentially. I'm not saying that I feel that way. I'm just wondering if he wins a second Super Bowl, if people will change, NFL fans will change the way they think of Drew Brees. What if the Steelers, and they will put him in that elite group. What if the Steelers win and Ben wins a third Super Bowl? Ben Roethlisberger, who never gets the credit that he deserves, never gets mentioned among elite quarterbacks. That's always there's, an a, there, there's a big difference, and the difference is that Drew Brees is the all-time passing yardage leader. He's also going to go down, I think, as the all-time completion percentage leader. He's going to be in some of those passing categories, the all-time of all time. Yes. So that I'm I I don't see me changing my view of Drew Brees if he goes on to win the Super Bowl. Uh give me Marino, give me Elway, give me Manning, give me Brady, um give me Steve Young. I mean, you know, there there are other guys, but He's all he, you know, and I said this before the Redskins played him. He's in that second group, you know, pushing the third group. He's in that ten, top ten range. He's in that top ten range, but maybe others. Is will he start... ahead of Brett Favre? Yes, he's ahead of Brett Favre. Okay. Yeah. I... Now, don't you consider the fact that he played half of his NFL games or more than half in an indoor stadium? I don't. Peyton Manning did the same thing. That's true. Just want to point that out. Um, I. I, I I just I'm just throwing it out there that I think maybe people the perception of Breeze from NFL fans will change if the, he wins the MVP and he has another Super Bowl ring added to his already one Super Bowl ring and God they are a good team I mean this is a team we are watching right now that over the final five games and a postseason has a chance to be viewed as one of the greatest teams of all time yeah it cause, does because they may not lose oh right. They may not lose again. Yeah. Although I think they've got a chance to be in a close game tonight. But fifteen and one, eighteen and one, if they run the table in the postseason, and their one loss came on opening day, so it would have been an eighteen-game win streak to end the season, 
putting up historic numbers offensively and being a relatively decent defensive team when we didn't think that was the case early in the season, but they've got playmakers on defense. Yeah, they do. So anyway, uh, I, I, I st- I'm, I'm not because I gave out Dallas as a smell test pick tonight, and I suggested they have a chance to win the game tonight. The the Saints are still to me and should be the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. And I don't see much of a chance that they don't come out of the NFC. I guess the Rams could go in there and beat them. They're the only team that could go into the Superdome and give them a game. But I I think this is a Drew Brees Saints kind of a year. Uh, Tonight should be an entertaining game, though. I think it's going to be a competitive game. Yes. By the way, uh, uh, we won't do the podcast again before the Monday night game. Correct. So give me your pick. Um. Eagles 37, Redskins 21. Ooh. So you're not giving them much of a chance, even though you said earlier in the show that I give the Redskins a chance. Yeah. But you don't Not really. much of a chance. Not much of a chance, apparently. <laughs> 37 to 21. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Glad we got into the Dwight Howard thing today. Uh, thanks to Aaron. Uh, thanks to all of you. Are you going to stop and get your National Enquirer down at Safeway on your way out? <laughs> I might. Okay. I might. And maybe uh, Weekly World News. I think I think Martians landed somewhere in Bethesda. I'm not sure. Cooley will be on the show tomorrow. Van Pelt will be on the show tomorrow. It'll be a football Friday without the you know the Redskins Eagles in detail preview. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for Monday. Have a great day.